the signature verse of the second half of the gospel last week. We've, we've got it here on the screen in front of us. 1 John 3.16 This is how we can be certain in a world of uncertainty, in a world of chaos, in a world in which things just don't always seem clear. This is how things can be clear. Love looks like this. Jesus laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. It's the second half of the gospel. It is, it is the move towards sanctification after the first half of the gospel that says that it's Jesus on Jesus' own and God's own first initiative that, that justifies us. We cannot do it on our own, but it doesn't stop there. It must continue and this continuing is the, is the process of being made holy where everything that is in us that is not love is displaced and moved out. And it says that to have faith in God is to love our neighbors. Faith and trust in God and love for other people are the two halves of what it means to be a Christian. And I, and I, and I believe that what, what, what 1 John is doing, beyond just identifying and, and trying to, to, to remove the false teaching that had, that had impacted these churches that he cared about so much, I believe what he's trying to do is he's, he's trying to make it clear that there are forces that are working against us. Beyond just the false teaching, there are forces working against us that would prevent us from being filled with love, that would prevent us from being, being made perfect in love. The good news is, we are not alone on this journey. I invite you to turn with me in the Scriptures to 1 John chapter 4. And if you've brought your Bible if you brought your Bible, pull it out. And if you, if you, if you can quickly access like a, an app on your phone that has the Bible, do that right now too. I want you to actually look at what I'm about to show you. Um, so turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Um, and don't feel shamed if you don't have an app on your phone that <coughs> has the Bible on it. Candy Crush is just as good. It just won't help you here. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. And, and regardless of the translation, you, you have, what's the first word you see in that chapter? Dear what? Dear friends. Does somebody have something different than dear friends? Beloved? Give me another one. Anybody? Those are the two popu most popular translations of, of, the, of, of the word. Dear friends and beloved are English translations, of course, from the original Greek because it wasn't written in English. It was written 2,000 years ago. The original Greek word, which I completely butchered at 8.30 and I have no more confidence right now, is agapitos. Yeah, that's it. Agapitos. Agapitos, which for those sharp Greek scholars in the room says, okay, that actually sounds like agape. Agapitos. Agapitos, right? And it is, it, it, it's, it's, it's a word describing people that's derived from a word that means love. So, so 1 John opens up this chapter in the midst of, of, of addressing false teaching with a word that says, I am writing to you who I love so dearly. It can also be translated, 
the one who is worthy of love. Hear me for a second. John says that you and I are worthy of love. And he opens the chapter with it. But take your finger and run down the page to verse 7. What do you see there? Same thing. Keep, keep going down to verse 11. What do you see there? A third time. Same thing. This is a letter that is written from a deep place of affection. This is a letter that's written from a deep place of care. This is not, this is the way I'm thinking about it, this is not a letter that's adversarial, right? And so, and so just for just one second, maybe, maybe if you spent the day yesterday focused on the gridiron matchups of superpowers, right? This, the, 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 the adversarial, literally play by play by play, just beating it out of each other. If you spent your day working on that and focused on that, maybe if you spent your Friday night on that, right? This is not that. I'm talking about football. I don't, none of you laughed or anything like that. Is any, <clears throat> are there any Georgia fans that want to say a couple words real quick? <laughs> Go dogs. okay. <clears throat> this is not adversarial. This is love. How does it make us feel to be addressed as those who are worthy of love? This is how, uh, this is how he finishes out the chapter starting in verse 17. And again, he speaks with certainty. This is how love has been perfected in us so that we can have confidence on the judgment day. He actually shifts from talking about the present to the future, and then he's back to the present. Because we are exactly the same as God is in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear expects punishment. Again, this is not an adversarial letter. This is not an adversarial kind of relationship. This is not one that says, I'm waiting for you to mess up so I can pop you on the head. That's not this. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates a brother or sister, he is a liar because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who can be seen can't love God who can't be seen. He's actually just taking a riff right off of what Jesus said in the Gospels. This commandment we have from him, those who claim to love God ought to love their brother and sister also. This is the word of God for we the people of God and we say together, thanks be to God. So, so this letter 
that is, that is seeking to identify false teaching and, and, and move it out of the way so that it could be replaced with the truth that God is love and God loved us first and, 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 and wants to grow us in loving God and what, God's lo- and, and what loving God looks like is trusting God and putting our faith in God because God has faith in us. All of this right here leads us to ask the question, what, what then is the opposite that the world is trying to pull us towards? So, 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 so the opposite of faith, many people would say, well, the opposite of faith is doubt. The opposite of, 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 of believing is unbelieving. The opposite of trust is mistrust. But first John says, no, no, no. When it comes to the scriptural language of what God is trying to teach us, the opposite of faith is not loving. If I claim to have faith in God, if I claim to love God, if I, came to, to, if I claim to trust God, but I don't love these others. The opposite of faith is, is not loving, which then brings up the question, what's the opposite of love? And the, and the world would have us believe that the opposite of love is the four-letter word that hate right the opposite of love is hate and i get why that what because it just it just it, it it just works so well they're, they're they're sort of like mirror opposites and they both end with an e and they've got four letters and i don't know poetry and I mean, love and hate and love and hate and and, I, and i'll even propose this the devil happily wants us to believe that the opposite of love is hate which means it's not, because the devil's a liar, but, but the devil wants us to believe that. See, the devil is fine with us focusing our attention on something that's actually not really much of a problem for us, because the devil is fine with us spinning our wheels on the minor stuff when, in fact, the major stuff that are obstacles in front of us we're blind to. And I call hate a minor thing because most of us don't struggle with hate very much. Hate is bitter. Hate is ugly. And hate is not attractive. Hate hate doesn't have anything redeemable to it. And, and, and there are really no one, there's no place, there's no trend, there's, there, there's, there's really nothing in the world that is attracted to hate. And that's saying something, because if you'll allow me to stand up on my soapbox real quick, the world is attracted to any number of things that are pretty disgusting, but the world is not attracted to hate. The world produces um, uh, movies, entertainment, television, all of it, right? The, the, the world produces any kinds of trends, any kinds of things that, that the church goes, whoa, what? And the world says, oh yeah, it's cool now, right? But even the world doesn't find hate attractive. But the devil would have us believe that hate is the opposite of love when in fact, and I like the way J.D. Walt puts it in his devotion, I think for today, The opposite of love, not hate, is fear. And the devil doesn't want us to talk about fear. Because to talk about fear 
is to get serious. To talk about fear is to really grow up. What causes fear faster than anything else? It's the loss of control. You want to you want to see me afraid, then put me in a position where I feel like I'm losing control of how others are seeing me. You, you want to see me afraid, then put me in a position in which I feel like I'm losing control of how it's going for the people I care about the most. You want to you see fear in a parent? Have the date of graduation get closer. Because on the one hand, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're going to move out of your house. Can I get an amen? <laughs> on the other hand, they're going to move out of your house. Or, 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 for, for, forget graduation date. What about pre-K? They're not going to be with you all the time. You're not going to know exactly what's happening. Fear is losing control. And I would propose with great confidence that if you were to think back, don't say any of this out loud, don't even turn to the person near you, just, just keep this private because this is you're going to want this to be private. If you would think back to the last time you got really sideways with someone, I'm talking about like, ugly like you knew it just right off the bat and just like within just a few moments you knew you wish you hadn't said that you wish you could take it back you got sideways with somebody if you would get real honest and consider that the reason and the underlying cause of 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 things not going your and, and i'm talking about when you got sideways with somebody and it was your fault right the underlying cause to that was fear fear of losing control and again and again what, what does he say here verse 18 excuse me verse 19 there is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear see the gospel is about intentionally Letting go of control. You, you could say that, that to do the gospel right is to submit to God, which is nothing more than letting go of selfishness, letting go of, of control. The gospel is submitting to God, and in return, God gives us this amazing sense of clarity that says now that I'm beginning to let go of trying to be in control I have an increased notion that I was never in control in the first place because because we're not but but I but I'd like to spend a moment being really practical 
See, because our struggle is in the little moments. It's just the, the little moments that cause the greatest suffering. And this is most especially true in our relationships. How often have we gotten ourselves, I'll use the phrase again, how often have we gotten ourselves sideways because we stopped listening before the other person was finished talking? Have you ever, you, you, right? Anybody? Come on. Yeah? Or, or if we're being real, how often have we gotten ourselves in trouble because we stopped listening before they even started talking? Okay, now we're talking, right? <laughs> How often, before they even started talking, we had made up our mind what they were saying. When I do this, what I'm doing is exhibiting, just putting on display, I don't even care what you say. You hear that? I don't even care what you say because I know in my mind what you're thinking. How classy is that, preacher, right? It's not. Modern day theologian wrote these words on the subject. Love and trust in the space between what's said and what's heard in our life can make all the difference in the world love and trust how narrow is the space between what's said and what's heard and yet that space and what we do inside of it makes all the difference John references the judgment day, which is uh, appropriate on this holy day in which we call out the names of saints who've gone before us. I, uh, I got to know really well, almost all, all, all but one of the seven names of members of our church who've passed away in the last year. And, and what I know from their lives, what, 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 what I know from the life of Cindy or Doug or, or Adeline or Joe, even Mr. Raleigh, is that there was an increase in love that corresponded with the decrease in fear. What gives us confidence on the day of judgment greater than because He loved us? We loved each other. Like Jesus in the Gospels, 1 John here affirms the truth that we cannot separate the vertical from the horizontal. 
And maybe, maybe the greatest obstacle to loving each other is our own fear of losing control. The control that we never had in the first place. Oh, that my relationships would be filled more with love and less with fear. Let's pray. Gracious God, may your reading of your word draw us closer to you. And may this moment of communion where the things that we can touch and taste remind us of that which we cannot see but we can be certain of. May all of this May all of this grow us more in love with you. Even now as we cherish those who've gone before us. This is our prayer. And we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen.